your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. Welcome to a Friday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom in studio with me, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Chagoski. Happy Friday, Rick. Not a whole lot to talk about today. No, right. So I appreciate uh, somebody on Facebook that I'm Facebook friends with posting posting this because there's there's just nothing political to talk about. So he posted, "Let Indiana Jones die. Let Star Wars die." Let Doctor Who die. Let Fast and Furious die. Yes. And uh, let these massive cash cows die. <laughs> and then it's got 93 comments, which is pretty impressive for just somebody on Facebook uh, to, to get this discussion rolling. And beloved, I'm like, these beloved franchises and these massive money makers. I mean, eventually Indiana Jones will die. I mean, it came out last night, the new Indiana Jones, and Harrison Ford's 80. Right. So, yes. It'll it'll happen. Eighty year old president and eighty year old Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, we've, there's nothing political to talk about. Why did you bring politics into this? Um, all right, so so we can at some point discuss those franchises. I argued a little bit. I did the thing where you get into the comments. You have to you have to put your opinion in, right? Like sure. Facebook. This is the argument, uh, you know. And I was like, Star Wars. Kind of after Star Wars, there's kind of a lot of good series that are better than the original three. I don't know oh, if that's absolutely. if that's blasphemous for Star Wars, you know, uh, originators. I don't know the, the 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 canon Star Wars people, but the Mandalorian is way better than the three first movies. Absolutely, I think the new Star Wars material is so good that even the diehards would admit that it's right up there with some of the best movies. And and I understand there's some clunkers oh, as sure. well. Like the Han Solo movie is kind of a clunker. Uh, Rogue One is my favorite movie. So, uh-huh. uh, but beyond that, so we can talk about that. Um, okay, so I brought up brought up. Uh, this is kind of off the wall, and because we don't have anything to talk about, <laughs> I've had I've had some city officials on. I'm not gonna. I can't remember exactly which city official it was, but in our conversation about talking about this and that controversies happening in the city of Lacrosse, maybe the homeless. It was the homeless issue we were talking about. Okay, and they had mentioned that if you just go to the comments and read some of the comments on social media, and right away I just wanted to go, ah, mm, uh, no, like I don't. <laughs> I don't know how much should government officials, and you guys probably study this all the time, right, as political scientists, how much should government officials take in the comment section, the retweets, the Twitter, because those people could be trolls. Those people could not be from the area at all. Those people could not be people at all. They could be Russian bots. It's literally happened. There's Russian farms out there making bots. Not that they're infiltrating the city of La Crosse's homeless situation, but when you read the comments, not, those the, none of some of those, maybe most of those people don't have skin in the game at all. I think there's something to that, Rick. I think it's really important for local government officials to have the pulse of the community, to know what people in the community are thinking. At the same time, you need to get a representative view of what people are thinking. And it may not be the case that commenters on social media are representative of the broader public. Right, uh, but this is the thing. This is the other problem I have with it. We can't disregard the comment section, maybe. Mm-hmm. Because the comment section before f- social media was just showing up at the city, uh, the county meeting, the, the, the city council monthly meeting. Yeah. It was just sending a letter, right? That was the comment section. 
And it was just a couple of random people that are upset about some piece of legislation. And they come there and it's three, four people or it's 20, 30 people. It's never 50,000 people that live in the cross, right? It's never the whole community that comes out. But like there's a there's a legislation on the it's it's committee week next week. So there's legislation on the committee and there's like 30 letters in opposition and 20 letters supporting a piece of legislation coming up on Tuesday. That's 50 people. Does that represent? And so that's my version of the comment section. But at least you know who these people are, where they're from, because they're. I believe they have to, you know, put who they are, where they're from in the letters. Sure, there's something to be said for people who do take the time to participate, and we should be respectful of people who take the time to write a letter. At the same time, when you have 50 letters, should that really be? driving the decision-making process of local officials. Now, maybe it does drive their decision-making process because these are the people with the most intense opinions. They, in fact, had such an intense opinion that they took the time to write a letter. So they're probably going to have a disproportionate say in the process. I mean, they're going to have more influence because they took the time and the effort to speak up. That being said, we might wonder if that's a really good way to get that representative sample, that representative view of what the general public believes. Well, and then do they go to the city council meeting and try to make a decision on something and pull up the Facebook page of the news websites (laughs) and go, look at all the comments that are against this. Look at this. Look at this discussion in the Facebook messages. Uh, or the Facebook comments where they're arguing about this situation, uh, they don't seem to appreciate what we're trying to do here. It's one of the real challenges of local government because without doing a rather expensive and elaborate public opinion survey, it's hard to know what the people are thinking. And there are different ways to try to get a sense of that, but they are all imperfect at the end of the day. 608-785-7914 is the talk of text line. You want to get in here. uh, You want you want to talk about how the government should look at the comment section is uh, our our letters to the city council and the county board. Oh, the other thing before I forget, it was one of the things we get talking also. And and this is this is like even like it's not shadier, but it's less optic. There's less optics here is when a council person comes and says, oh, I've heard from my constituents I, all my constituents yeah. say that they're against this thing, right. even though yep. maybe nobody called them. They just can say the thing without like, OK, well, do you have photo? You have uh, letters that you could show us or voicemails that you could play or did you record the conversations? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing if you knock on everyone's door and give everyone a chance to have a say. It's and then another, write that down. And then write it down, exactly. It's another if it's the dozen people who emailed you and the six people who called you. right? And they're unlikely to be representative at least of the you, public. But at least you would have the email or the letter sure, back in the day. Sure. The, the telephone call. If 50, But there's no record. Like The city council person could believe in the legislation, could have heard from no constituents, but then just said... Well, I keep hearing from my constituents. I hear that all the time. I'm like, okay, well, did you? I don't know. Yeah. You know, Rick, what I've noticed reading the comments, I admit I read the comments. Yeah, for sure. That's the best part. Of it. I don't even read the story sometimes. <laughs> I only go to the comments. Everybody does it. Yeah, I just get the story. Let's get to the argument that's yeah. occurring in the comments section. I mean, this is the comments section sometimes, this show. I mean, Across it can be the PM, yeah. I mean, the AM radio, the original comments section. There all you right, go. We'll be back. Do they do it right away? I think they do. 
No, uh, yeah, they do. It's the part that mentions Fourth of July. Is oh, you spoil, spoiler alert! <laughs> a Chicago song from the '80s. But this is gonna take him a while to get there. I think they go. <laughs> this is like when TV shows went. You know what? We could skip the beginning of the show. Here it is. On a Tuesday, for some reason, <laughs> I say if Biden wants to win the hearts and souls of America, you make all federal holidays Monday. Yes. Fourth of July, Monday. Yeah, it is kind of that. Thanksgiving, awesome. Monday. You know, do are people working on Monday? I mean, I'm taking my car in on Monday, so the mechanic's working. We we got the day off Monday. Okay. But it's not like a holiday day, so I don't anyone that would have to work, I don't, you know, like are they getting time and a half, holiday pay, whatever, like a lot of people. Yeah. But, you know, it's got to be a little bit of a strain on businesses to hey, come in on Monday, but then you get Tuesday off, but they, it's just right. a weird. Right. So, yeah, federal holidays all happen on a Monday. So, and that's what I say, if you're going to take a vacation on a Friday or a Monday, always take it on a Monday because Mondays are miserable, Fridays are awesome. Nobody does anything on a Friday. You just come in and you know, like riff about Indiana Jones <laughs> having an 80-year-old Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, that's like, why I come that? in on Fridays. Um, side note, I, I went and saw the Spider-Man cartoon movie, Spider- I don't oh, sure, remember what sure. it's called. It's awesome. And also, it doesn't end. So you like, <laughs> it's like a part two to be continued. Like, so totally. Because I'm like, I'm looking at my watch. I went to the late one, right? So it's like 12.15. I'm looking at my watch. I'm like... Man, they're really going to have to wrap this up. This is like we're heightening to the dilemma of the movie. And I'm like, you're going to have to wrap this up pretty quick. You have like three minutes to wrap this whole thing up. And then I'm like, this is not going to wrap up. I'm going to have – it's kind of like the, the Dune movie. I don't know if you watch Dune. The new Dune movie is awesome. But then you're like, uh, they're not going to wrap this up. You haven't seen the Dune. What about the old Dune movie? You doing oh, sure. Dune? You doing Dune? Because the new Dune movie is pretty good. But it, it's the, – the, the second part, it comes out in November. So – I saw a preview the other day for Dune. Comes out in November. Hey, you, movie makers, don't put your previews out that come out six months from now. Do it a month from now so that like at least I don't have to go, oh, I get all hyped up. And then I'm like, oh, November, I don't even care. Rick, let me know what you think about this potential double feature on July 21st. We see the Barbie movie, and then we see the Oppenheimer movie. So we see the Barbie movie, and then we see a movie about the development of nuclear weapons. Yeah. How about that as a double feature? Just like a, a Saturday in the park movie yeah, night. Right. Like, the city of lacrosse does that. Yeah. So, which one would you watch first though? Barbie to loosen you up and then, or do you watch the serious one and then the Barbie Get one? Get the second serious to, one out of the way. Out of the bro. way. Cause, yeah. you, Cause you're going to lose focus and you don't need to focus during the Barbie movie. So. <laughs> no. 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. We have a whole bunch of political stuff to talk about, but, but also, um, is this a good strategy for, we have this lacrosse drivers, crazy drivers page, parking, and where everyone complains about people that park in, in you know, sideways in the in the parking lots, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's kind of a fun page. Also, some people are a little bit, mm, okay, that's, he's on the yellow line. Like, give it up, buddy. Like, you don't have to shame this person that probably, you know, whatever. Uh, or the guy with the boat that parks in the back of Walmart because oh, sure. he has a boat and he's parked sideways. Look at this guy. Like, okay, he's got a boat. What do you want him to do? Um, so in Washington, they're doing this through the government or through the police? Yeah, Rick. This is a really interesting idea. I will say it's either a crazy idea or it's crazy enough to work. Essentially, in Washington, D.C., they are sending you a text message or a letter to 100,000 drivers who have received a large number of speeding and red light tickets. 
based on the cameras. So if okay, they, they straight up have tickets, they have tickets, they have cameras that monitor people's driving. And so if they flag someone as a bad driver, you will not get a fine. They will not get a fine. Well, you've already gotten the fine. They may have already gotten the yeah, fine. Multiple. But if they're continuing to be a bad driver or if the city thinks they're a bad driver, they will not get an additional fine. They will simply get a letter or a text message that encourages them to be a better driver. All right. So this doesn't go far enough. So first of all, like, how about this? I don't know how you would get a database of all people's cell phone numbers to do this because then people would be like, oh, the government's watching me as if the government isn't watching you because you, your literal phone is, like, tracking you at all times. Um, you run a red light and then the government, the police, whatever, whoever runs that, you know, whatever author- law enforcement authority is in charge of that stoplight area, you get the text immediately. We're watching you. Careful, buddy. <laughs> We saw that red light. Next one is going to be a ticket. That would be a strategy. Oh, crap. They immediately, like, and then you know what you're doing. You're reading the text while you're driving as you just ran the red light. So 15 seconds after you run a red light, you get a text from the police that said, we're watching you. We saw you run that red light. What would you do if you got that text message as you're illegally reading a text while driving? See, that might actually make more of a difference than fines. I mean, do fines actually change people's driving to make them better drivers? I doubt it. No, it only hurts poor people because the fines are extraordinary. $200 for a poor person is $200, a lot of money. And for someone making a million dollars a year, um, oh, I'm late for wherever I got to go. Probably my crochet, my croquet battle or whatever my shuffleboard game i'm gonna be late i can now a crochet battle would be interesting yeah (laughs) crochet would be very very much different battle um i i don't think i would watch that one on espn the the u or whatever uh espn the ocho but um yeah the tickets to to rich people i mean they don't really care because 200 bucks is whatever like it doesn't matter yeah rick so the emails or the text say someone in your household is driving dangerously your vehicle has a history of speeding or running red lights and this is placing the drivers and the passengers of your vehicle at a high risk of getting into a crash for your safety and the safety of others Please drive the speed limit and stop at red lights. I mean, every any parent that got that about their 16 or 17-year-old, oh, it would be over, right? Like, yeah. whoa, you're running, you've run three red lights in the past week? Like, you're grounded, mister. This is how I think these messages could have an effect. If they go to mom or dad, or if they go to... Trigoski, wait, what if they, what if you got the... You ran a couple of red lights in the in the lacrosse. Please set your. My wife your, got it. No, well, that's a good idea too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that is a good idea. I was going to say your dad got it. Your dad got the text. Would your dad? What? What if your dad got a text from the lacrosse police that said you ran three red lights this week in the city of lacrosse? Would he have a? Would he have a talking to you? I don't know if he would have a talking, but he might because he's getting older, and so he drives like ten miles. Per hour below this. Oh, this limit. is a whole different dichotomy. What if <laughs> you got the tech? You got the text from the St. Paul police that your dad is running red lights because oh. that's our parents' age, and there's no rules. Yeah. For- you know, what do they got to pass an eye test to keep their driver's license or something? There's no rules to like take your driver's license away, really. Like, there's, you know, pretty slim margin there. And we all know, like, at some point, we're all going to maybe we shouldn't be driving, but we're never going to give that freedom up. I feel like this could have the biggest effect if it goes to a family member. Like, if I know that I'm a lousy driver and I'm getting a text message from the government telling me that I'm a lousy driver, eh. eh. Yeah. And I also, though, I do know that my wife, 
drives pretty fast. So if I saw a letter saying, please slow down, it just wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I, it's the the speeding one is is curious because it would have to be, and we talk about this a little insensitively, as that guy was speeding down um, South Avenue today. Oh, right. We don't have any, inf- still no information from police. Police uh, yesterday said we need information from the public to, uh, in regards to this accident on South Avenue, and today's police message was, "We're done. We don't need any more public information." Yeah. So we might get more information soon on this uh, this this accident. But yeah, if you but but in in terms of like going like six seven eight over, sure. I mean that you would you don't want that text message. But no. but running multiple red lights would be a would be kind of dicey because a lot of times you're like, well, I ran that red light, but. I mean, when I came home from the Spider-Man movie last night at like one in the morning or no, it was like three in the morning because I came back to work here and did some work um, that you hit that left turn arrow mm. red light mm-hmm. in La Crescent, but you can go straight and you can still go on green and it's this time of the night and literally there's no cars anywhere in sight. And I'm like, can I just turn left on the red turn arrow? I don't know. So, um, but yeah, immediate text messages. I think as you do, yeah, a nefarious thing driving. I don't know what what it would be. And maybe it's not even a fine, like we've said. I mean, you know, and we don't want to belittle the traffic enforcement. I mean, that's really important for public safety. I mean, the question is, how do you change people's behavior? Do fines change people's behavior, or would a message to them via yeah. email or? U.S. Postal Service or a text message help change their behavior. And we see this with the state patrol uh, over the past year or more now that a lot of people are doing 100 miles an hour on the yeah. interstates in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Oh, reckless driving is a huge problem well, in certain parts we, of the state. Not to get into the politics during the show, but we passed some legislation yeah. to find people even more about reckless driving. But like you said, is that the answer? Because if you're doing the reckless driving, did you did you are you a political person that paid attention to Governor Evers signing legislation that's going to make your reckless driving more reckless for your wallet? I bet you Milwaukee is going to be paying close attention because D.C. is going to be tracking if this actually improves people's driving and improves people's likelihood of complying with the traffic laws. I bet you Milwaukee is going to be watching closely because in his state of the city address, Mayor Cavalier Johnson identified reckless driving as one of the major problems that the city of Milwaukee faces. So they're trying to figure out how to improve the situation. Now, maybe higher criminal enforcement is the answer. Maybe stricter enforcement is the answer. Or maybe this softer public touch shaming. is more public shaming, maybe. I mean, the, the camera taking a picture of you going through a red light, or just maybe it takes pictures of everybody going through the light, and yeah. how many does it catch them on their phone during oh. the, So you're not even running the red light, but you're going through a green, but you're on your phone, and then you could public the government could be like hey we're watching you and we see that you're on the phone people are going to get really itchy about me keep saying the government's watching them while they're driving but they are there's cameras everywhere in downtown all right we got to take a break do you ever feel like a plastic bag two things are happening here first of all we just came across the top 30 best fourth of july songs to add to your barbecue list it's a terrible list a, it's a terrible list. B, I made Trigoski come up with Fourth of July songs. And came up with two, and you came up with the first one was great. Yeah, Katy Perry. I understand it. The song is called Fireworks, but if anyone plays at this at their Fourth of July barbecue, okay, it's this part's okay. For the beginning, I was like, okay, now I I remember that the song is this yeah. part is all right. This kind of gets fired up. 
If I would have just shut my mouth for 15 more seconds, we would have been all right, so we, we went on the Good Housekeeping website where we always get our rankings. It's here at rankings.com. For some reason, Good Housekeeping is always on top of their rankings, especially themed rankings during the uh, you know the holidays here as somebody's calling in. Okay, I'll put you on hold for a second. Fourth of July barbecue songs. Number one, Blake Shelton, God's Country. Okay. I'm not sure, but like it probably can't go wrong. I'm, I'm sure it's a great song. Yeah. Number two, Golden, no artist. We we Googled it. Jill Scott apparently is this artist, and um, I don't know if anyone's playing that. I, I'm not playing that. I don't know. Number three, they said Life is a Highway, good song. Sure. They did Rascal Flats. It's, so, a, it's a decent cover. And Rascal Flats is fine, but like just do Tom Cochran. Sure. Just do the original. This is, as we're talking about like remaking or 80-year-old Indiana Jones, and we can't just put the series to bed after the first three movies. We've got to do one with aliens, and I don't even know what this one's going to be. But right there, this will be the fifth Indiana Jones. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm telling no covers. We have to, you know, if you're popular, you do the original. Nobody comes along. Like, Jay-Z doesn't come along and do Life as a Highway in his version. So, right. Uh, and at number four, We Didn't Start the Fire, Billy Joel. I'm not sure about this song at a barbecue. No, I'm not. This is the one where... Yeah, I think people can kind of sing along and see how many parts of the song they can mention. And then number five, which you could argue, okay, John Cougar Mellencamp, or John Cougar, I guess he doesn't go by Mellencamp anymore. All right. This would be... He's got some barbecue Fourth of July songs. Jack and Diane. I feel like there's... I mean, it's not a bad song, but I feel like John Cougar's got multiple other songs that are way better. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Not a whole lot to talk about politically as I have the UV <laughs> lacrosse political science professor in here. We've talked about shaming drivers. We've talked about movie remakes. Um, what else have we talked about? Oh, we talked uh, about like big. how local governments figure we, out what the public believes. Yeah, we actually did. We kind of did a deep dive on lo- like the comment section on Facebook and should your local government or government in general, right? Because all, all our U.S. congressmen, our House reps and our senators – they have like four or five Twitter and Facebook accounts. They've got their official one where they post very bipartisan down the lines for the most part. And then they have their campaign one where you could see just exactly how crazy they are. And they, I think they can hide the comments there if they don't like the comments that you put on there. Although I, there's sticky, there's a sticky rule there, right? With your, your, your public official, your elected official hiding comments on Facebook that they disagree with. You know, if be, the, there's rules against that, I believe. But it, then it's like you have your official senator page, but then you have your I'm a I'm a quack page. That's my campaigning page. And can they hide comments there from the public? Well, there was a lawsuit in Wisconsin about if public officials could block people from viewing their social media accounts. So that was a big issue in this state. Yeah, that's a. It, it, they, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. You know, if if you're f bombing. Even if you're f-bombing the way out of like you would have to put some pretty nefarious stuff on a in a comment section on Twitter or Facebook for for it to I think for it to be hidden or blocked or deleted. Sure. And also if it's a threat then you just you go after that person through the law, right? Yeah. Like if yeah. it's threatening, then you can I would say then you should be able to delete it and then you could uh block that. Other than that, like I I I want to see what everyone has to say about my elected official yeah. on Facebook. I don't even want to I, I don't even care what they say. <laughs> Um, all right, we'll go to the phone. Let's call it. Who's this? Uh, this is Clyde from the Highlands of the town of Onalaska. Hey, Clyde, you got you got uh, what you got? Well, 
first of all, I, the penalty for these careless drivers, I call it the uh, Grand Torino rule. But before that, I want to give you a promo spot. And here it goes. Rick Solom, Monday through Friday, bubble gum for your ears. <laughs> Is it chewed bubble gum, or do you put the whole square <laughs> let in me, there? Let me try that again. I didn't do the lacrosse talk uh, PM tag, so let you me try even, it again. I mean, you got to do it in, a, in kind of in a voice, Clyde, like this. Rick, you know? Rick Solom, Monday through Friday, lacrosse talk PM. Bubble gum for your ears. Five to six. Days. I love that. Okay, so uh, the Grand Torino. <laughs> so, are you talking like the movie or the car or what? Yeah. My dad just yeah. sold a Grand yeah. Torino about three years ago. Right. Yeah, the Grand Torino uh, penalty for careless drivers would be they would need to be assigned about eighty hours of community service to uh, some elderly person who is about to lose their home because they can't afford the property taxes anymore. Okay, yeah, I, I like I like the idea of community services as, as opposed to a monetary penalty that rich people yeah. don't care about. Man, there's thanks Clyde for the call. There's nothing better than thinking about some some, you know, what uh, uh what's a good good fancy car? Like a, just someone driving a Porsche or, or like something. Like a Lambo. Like. Yeah, well, that's a be. I don't know. Is there even a? I have you ever seen a Lamborghini in the area? I feel like I've seen it once, but like <laughs> just like the fanciest, like just the fanciest car driving person that gets pulled over, and then they have to go and like mow lawns, <laughs> like they have to go mow somebody's lawn as community See, service. I think they'd shape up pretty quick if yeah, that would, was the punishment. Yeah, but, yeah. There's nothing better than the, the thought of that. Uh, that's that's a good. Maybe one they get the shaming text message or letter and then if they still don't shape up then they have to mow lawns yeah i mean instead of a 200 hundred dollar ticket yeah like we should be doing like we should have communities should just come up with a list of like clyde said maybe elderly people that need help with house chores we do this at the beginning of every season like we, there's literally i think it's through habitat they literally sure. do one saturday where they hit every one of these houses and kind of clean up the yard well, let's just do that ongoing for the entire year. What places in lacrosse need help with yard work? Yeah. Whether it's shoveling, mowing lawn, uh, cleaning out the gutters, stuff like that. And then uh, anyone that gets a speeding ticket or multiple speeding tickets or, or, or traffic violations or any kind of violation, they got to go over to Betty's house and, you know, clean out her gutters. I love it. I love it. I think he's onto something. I mean, the lawsuits that happen when I fall off the roof because you've made oh, me. Yeah. I mean, this is another scheme to get the lawyers involved in, in uh, you know, like our government. Oh, like, sure. Get them fighting you over each other, which is, you know, okay, let's let's do it. Like the, the lawsuits that are going to come about now from three U.S. Supreme Court decisions in the Oh, Friday yeah. news dump of news dumps. The U.S. Supreme Court throws out three decisions right before a holiday weekend. A holiday weekend that's not a weekend. It's on a Tuesday. And a lot of places have Monday off. So we this news settles Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We don't think about this again until Wednesday when when people are back to work, right? Like journalists right now are like, are you kidding me? It's Friday. <laughs> I want to get home. And then I'm just going to half-ass this story and get to the, my to my five day weekend or four day long weekend, right? Yeah, Rick. I mean, this was interesting timing for sure, and we have long anticipated these rulings. I mean, these are 
some of the flashpoints in society. You're talking about affirmative action in college admissions. You're talking about the rights of LGBTQ individuals and also religious freedom, religious issues mixed in there. And then, of course, the highly debated student loan forgiveness program by Joe Biden. And so the Supreme Court has not hesitated to get into these huge political battles. I think that's why opinions about the Supreme Court have become so divided. And the Supreme Court's approval rating has gone down because, I mean, if they insert themselves into these controversial issues, then the court itself is going to attract plenty of controversy. This got me thinking about three things. First of all, my conspiracy theory about the Supreme Court, they need to um, somebody needs to get a case about going directly after Citizens United. Where is the bluest of blue states? California? Is sure. that the bluest of blue states? Yeah. Do a do a law that prevents big businesses from contributing to, you know, whatever, federal, federal c- candidates. And then it goes to the Supreme Court and si- the Supreme Court could reverse Citizens United as a way to combat their negative, uh, you know, perspective or their negative outlook from society. Yeah, Rick. I mean, that gets to the point that the Supreme Court can just change its mind on things. You know, so they've gone over after affirmative action four or five times this in the past 23 years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they have changed their mind on affirmative action, but as they have changed their mind, the justices on the court have changed. Have changed. Now you have a six to three conservative majority. I mean, they changed completely on abortion. So there is this idea that, well, they should just stick to precedent and they should rule according to how they've ruled in the past. Well, then nothing would change because, I mean, the viewpoints of society change, but the, the, the viewpoints of the Supreme Court aren't doesn't, don't seem to be the viewpoints of society. And the opinions of the court are going to change as more conservative members get on the court, as was the case during the Trump presidency, now a six to three conservative majority. So yeah, the Supreme Court not hesitating to wade into these culture war issues with a series of interesting rulings banning the use of affirmative action in college admissions. The Associated Press found that about four in 10 universities use race in some way, shape or form in admissions decisions. So this will impact Presumably, if you go by that statistic, about 40% of right. higher education. It might be 40%, but it might be like 2% of the 40% of the decision that they make based on you know who they have. Um, the, the other thing that's got me thinking with the, the Friday-ish news dumps, one of these decisions came out Thursday, but it was like it was like setting the table. It was like the appetizer of, <laughs> of bad news you know, for a lot of the nation. Um, what is the Supreme Court? Like, what are their hours? Do they punch in? Like, how does the Supreme Court work? I just... I know we've taken civics in, in middle school and in high school and maybe even college a little bit, but like, do they do they do they hear a case or do they just read the case and then go? And then are they off now until when? Do they how are they working forty hours a week? Oh no, not you at all, I mean? not at all. I mean, essentially, it is well known that Supreme Court justices supplement their income through teaching through giving highly paid speeches, through boat through, trips and through fishing expeditions, doing from... ethically questionable <laughs> activities. Okay, let's do this real quick. So the, the, the Clarence Thomas and Alito. Uh, yes, Alito. So Samuel those are Alito. the two stories that would come out and there'll be more that come out, I think, in, in the coming months and weeks of other Supreme Court justices taking money from big wigs and then those big wigs putting cases in front of the Supreme Court. 
But are there rules? The Supreme Court sets their – are they breaking rules no. here? Not ethically no. sure, but they're not breaking rules. So they've nope. done nothing. When Clarence Thomas takes a, a bunch of trips with his billionaire buddy, who he became buddies with right when Clarence Thomas became a Supreme Court justice, weird coincidence, but when he's taking those trips, A, he maybe broke some like tax laws, sure. but did he break Supreme Court rules – well, he's supposed to disclose certain things. I mean, if you get a gift from someone, you're supposed to disclose that. If you get paid $50,000 for a ta- speech. But is that tax law that he's not disclosing? Or is that you needed to recruit? Do, does the Supreme Court have rules about recusing yourself when you go in front of a, 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 a when you take a case that has to do with Harlan Crow? Well, you know, Rick, the billionaire. As, as the highest court, if they break the rules. I mean, there's no one to really hold them accountable exactly. for that. But they don't. They make their own rules, right? It, exactly. Because I, br- I brought up this argument uh, um, a, a couple days ago. Like Congress needs to invoke some rules. And they on could the do Supreme that. Court. They could can do they? that. Can they? Yes. Okay. Because someone on the text line in the comment section was arguing that they can't. It's a separation of powers or whatever you want to call it. You know, like the three branches of government, and so the. The, the Supreme Court, the Congress can't tell the Supreme Court what to do, even though the Supreme Court literally just told Joe Biden what to do. Well, I mean, there would... The checks and balances, right? You know, Congress could absolutely pick a fight with the Supreme Court. It is likely that Congress would win that battle because Congress has more tools in its arsenal than the Supreme Court well, does. It's ludicrous to think that Congress can't set rules for, because that's the whole point, like the checks and balances, like they're going to check each other. My third thing with the Supreme Court, am I going to remember it now? I'm just going to forget about it. No, I'm totally going to forget about it. Oh, no, uh, Roe v. Wade. If, sure. if, we, if Republicans could go back in time in a weird way, they would probably say, you know what, let the Roe v. Wade stand and therefore, we can fight against abortion again and again because it's a political winner for us. Now it seems to be a political loser as you watch Janet Prosewich win a Wisconsin Supreme Court race. And uh, it, it kind of helped not it helped the U.S. House not swing way Republican. And now we have three more court cases kind of going after young people a lot. The, 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 I would say the student loan thing goes after everybody. Um, but a lot of these have, you know, young people in mind, and they're going to be fired up about these three Supreme Court races, and this is going to be, again, a political loser for Republicans. Rick, the big question is exactly that. Who gets fired up over these rulings? Because overall, I mean, the public is pretty negative about affirmative action, but who gets really fired up about it? The opinions on the student loan forgiveness program were very split. The public was divided on that issue, okay. but who is going to get fired up about it? I mean, the people who lost out on the opportunity so you're to saying, have loans forgiven. In the scope of this, Roe v. Wade, political loser, these other decisions kind of down the middle because they're, they're seen as, by a vast majority of the society, but more down the middle? More down the middle, but you might have people on one side get more fired yeah, up. Yeah, who's going to turn up at the polls? Because yeah. And and you, I would say that the people that have to pay the ten thousand extra dollars to the government because their student loans weren't forgiven after three years of being promised that they're like, does that make them mad at Joe Biden because he didn't come through, or does that make them mad at Clarence Thomas because he's taking gifts from billionaires and now ten thousand dollars is too much because and also we forgave all the PPP loans, but we're not going to do that for college students, but we're going to do that for weird. We're, businesses. we're seeing these battle lines getting drawn already because when Joe Biden gave his remarks this afternoon, one of the reporters shouted a question: Why did you give these student loan borrowers false hope? And Biden said, no, I didn't give them false hope. It's the Supreme Court that messed it up for them. Yeah, so, so Biden 
I think, understands the political risks here, and he's trying to shift the blame to the Supreme Court. He's also talking about how the Republicans should be blamed. He mentioned what you mentioned, Rick, the PPP program, right. the where loans were forgiven. Yeah, because the Supreme Court said Congress needs to forgive the student loans, and then Biden can sign it because it's X amount of money. They didn't say how much. It's too much money that Biden can't do this, but they don't say how much money is too much. And just to that point, Rick, I mean, we can kind of geek out here as a me as a political scientist, you know, kind of separating the policy from the process. I mean, should it be the president? And not Congress. Should it be the president who makes these decisions? So that's one issue. Like, who should decide if student loans are forgiven? Then the second issue is, should student loans be forgiven? Right. Like, is the policy a good policy versus who should decide on this policy? And the Supreme Court was ruling on the president's ability to make this decision. Of course, people can disagree about the broader issue of student loan forgiveness. I wish, I, and I'm not going to be able to think of an example. I, w- I want to, where where does somebody get a whole bunch of loans? Somebody brought up, like, health care debt. But the government isn't involved in healthcare debt, so it wouldn't be one. It wouldn't be a, a very good example. But where are conservatives that need student, not student loan help, but loan help? Where Donald Trump's president and he forgives a whole bunch of conservative, like because if, if, whether or not you believe that student loans is a liberal or conservative thing, because uh, all people go to college, so this isn't a liberal or conservative thing. But you know, like if Donald Trump decided to forgive four hundred billion dollars in this loan that would fire up the left and go, no, they can't do that. You know, it'd be, it'd be an interesting uh, um, just scenario. Anyway, we're going to take one more break. The original Life is a Highway. See, this is a good July 4th cookout song. Yeah, this is... Whoa, that whoa. Was a, whoa, it just ended. Well, it wasn't that good, apparently. I guess I got the <laughs> clip version of that. Uh, UW Lacrosse Political Science Professor Dr. Anthony Tregoski in here on a Friday. Life is a highway as we head into, hopefully for a lot of you, a four-day weekend. I got some nice aromas from Riverfest as I was walking down second. I know. My way here. Might have to bounce over there. And if you go to the left side when you're going to Riverside Park, there's food over there. And that side's free. So if you oh, want to just go get know. some free, you know, whatever, you could go. Uh, I, I feel like there's got to be some carnivalish food. Ooh. I don't know what to call it, but there, I knew there was some over there on the left side. So that's like the kids' area. Uh, that's where I hang out. No, that sounds bad. I can't say it like that. Well, I should take my the daughter there. Well, yeah, there's like I feel like there's like a comedy, a magic show. They have like all kinds of stuff over there for, yeah. for kids, and, and that stuff's all free. So uh, head over to Riverfest. It's five five day event. It goes through the Fourth of July. There'll be fireworks tonight at nine forty five. If I remember right, there's okay. like a concert starting right now, and there's a concert every two hours. There's except- that new country star, Cooper Allen. Cooper Allen, okay. Yeah. Is he like pretty big time? Yeah, he's getting big time. I saw him this morning touting his North Carolina roots, and I appreciated that as a North Carolina graduate. Always a good idea to have the backwards name, right? The last name Cooper first. Allen. If you were yeah. Al- if he was Alan Cooper, he probably wouldn't be as big time, but he's uh, Cooper Allen. I feel like that's how you know he's a good country singer, when he has the backwards name. Unless we find out later that he switched it just Ooh. to be more popular. Um, all right, so... Just real quick before we got a minute here, so we're not going to get into our weird news about Taco Tuesday fight between Taco tu- uh, Taco Johns and Taco Bell. We could save these for oh, the, sure. the yeah. next time. But um, is Governor Evers going to sign the budget? He is setting up, I think, the partial veto. We know that Governor Evers has the power to strike out 
particular parts of the budget and then sign whatever remains into law. Is the shared revenue plan part of the budget or can that is that's already signed? So that is already signed. Okay, but so we don't have municipalities don't have to worry about that. But here's the catch. Part of the shared revenue deal was an increase of a billion dollars to public K-12 plus extra money for school vouchers. That is in the budget. Okay. And so the deal kind of gets messed up if he vetoes the entire budget. Now, there are liberal progressive groups that want him to veto the entire budget. They're disappointed about the cut to UW system funding, and they're disappointed about the inaction on child care. They're also disappointed about the tax cut. We're using half the budget surplus, apparently, on tax breaks, and most of that tax breaks goes to the people that make the most money. Now, that is a target for the partial veto. Governor Evers could veto out some of the tax cuts for the higher earners, something I'm watching really closely. Oh, maybe he can. He, maybe he does that and feels like the budget is good enough. They, they pulled a little trick. Instead of going from four tax brackets, they chucked it down to three, which they is did. awful. Like You need to go to 50 tax brackets, <laughs> not four. Anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Everybody have a great 4th of July.